Hello, everyone. Welcome to Yale Talk. I'm Peter Salve, and I'm delighted to join you on Founders Day via video and podcast. Today, as Yale turns 319, it is fitting for us to reflect on Yale's history, our current campus culture, and what we hope to achieve for the future. Of course, this reflection must take place in the context of this moment of social upheaval in our country. Our nation is in desperate need of leaders who can heal divisions and help us find a shared sense of unity, strength, and optimism. Together, we need to teach our students to become such leaders. We need to work together to end the COVID-19 pandemic and the social inequalities and health disparities that this public health crisis has emphasized. And we need to take action against longstanding anti-Black racism, injustice, and violence. We also need to find and implement solutions for other matters of existential urgency before it's too late. Our society needs cohesion in tackling these challenges. And we need research and educational institutions like Yale to explore the parts of our nature apt to help or hinder these monumental tasks. In order to take on these and all other great challenges and opportunities, Yale must attract, inspire, and support the finest and most committed individuals from every neighborhood in this country, every village in the world, and every point on the political spectrum. It is our responsibility to lead the change needed in society through scholarship, research, and education. And of course, change begins within our own community of faculty, students, staff, and alumni. Earlier this week, I launched programs for the next phase of the Belonging at Yale initiative. Through these programs, we will delve into our history, assess and build on our current actions, and support members of the university community. These new initiatives are based on the recommendations of the President's Committee on Diversity, Inclusion, and Belonging. I formed this committee in January, and it was chaired by Kimberly Goff Cruz, University Secretary and Vice President for University Life, and Gary Desir, Vice Provost for Faculty Development and Diversity, Paul B. Beeson, Professor of Medicine, and Chair of the Department of Internal Medicine. Kim and Gary are here with me today to discuss what it means to belong at Yale and why it matters today and to our future. Kim and Gary, thank you for joining me for this special Founders Day podcast. Uh, I have questions for both of you. Gary, you've been working on faculty excellence, recruitment, and retention for a long, long time. First as chair of Yale's largest department, uh, and now you also serve as vice provost for faculty development and diversity for the whole university. What are the best ways to continue to strengthen Yale's ability to recruit uh, the best educators, the best researchers and practitioners in every field and, and from diverse backgrounds. Well, Peter, thank you very much for the invitation and for asking such an important question. So this is an important issue for me personally and professionally because of the impact I believe a diverse and excellent faculty can have in an academic community. So as a university, we are very clear about our mission. In one aspect, we aim to educate and inspire the next generation, and we expand knowledge in our fields of inquiry. Now, 
what's perhaps implicit, but not often forcefully stated, is how do we go about achieving our mission? What else do we value? And as we seek to attract recruited and recruit talented faculty who have other choices, who could join different institutions, how we carry our mission becomes very important. And I think faculty diversity matters. It matters because of scholarly excellence and a range of wider experiences and backgrounds. Underrepresented groups often look for mentors who have an, under, an understanding of their experience. And all students can benefit from opportunities to study and learn from faculty from diverse backgrounds. Now, I believe we should first commit to fostering a culture that is inclusive, collaborative, and professional, a culture that respects individual differences, that recognizes and values diverse talents, one that helps each person reach their full potential. I'm confident that such a culture would be very attractive to many talented faculty. Now, as you know, faculty recruitment is carried out by individual schools and, and departments and programs. So it's important to appoint leaders who are committed to recruiting diverse faculty, and they should be committed to minimizing whatever institutional barriers that may hinder such recruitments. But I think it requires something else. I think it requires what I call an outward mindset, an open-mindedness about the intrinsic value of certain fields of inquiry, and a real commitment to fostering a culture of respect. And lastly, I, I want to say that an institution's actions matter as much as its statements. In your recent announcement of an expansion of, an, uh, of FEDI, which is the Faculty Excellence and Diversity Initiative, will allow us to pursue a greater number of excellent scholars who bring diversity to the faculty. As you know, FEDI has been quite successful and has helped recruit more than 100 diverse ladder faculty over the past six years. It's also brought to campus more than 40 presidential visiting fellows who I believe have, have enriched our environment, our conversations and our culture. I think those are some steps that will lead people to think of Yale as a place that values its faculty and wants to bring the very best here to New Haven. Gary, there, there's no doubt that the commitment to recruiting a diverse and excellent faculty is there. And uh, your work and others uh, before you, Rick Berbieskas, who had the position before you, uh, working very hard to bring uh, faculty here across the university. But then there's a second issue, and it has to do with keeping faculty here, hoping that faculty will make Yale their life, uh, stay here for a, a career. And uh, we call that retention. And uh, how do we create foster, sustain a campus culture that helps us retain exceptional faculty? Uh, how do we help faculty members really feel that they belong at Yale and never want to leave? I agree wholeheartedly that faculty retention is something that we really need to focus on. It's a, it's a real barrier to progress. Now, you know, quite often we don't know why faculty choose to leave Yale. There might be very good reasons or there might be reasons that are not so good. So I think to better understand the issues, we will have to establish a formal exit interview process, which we will be doing. I also think that we should learn more about our climate. What's the campus climate? We should carry out surveys to obtain baseline data and then try to assess what we can change and what the changes are over time. Now, I do believe that uh, the, the process of retention is something that we should think you know, very early in the process. It should be proactive and really begin as soon as a person agrees to join Yale. So some important elements include the orientation process, 
what kind of mentoring plans do you put in place? Do we allocate resources in an equitable manner? Uh, do we provide opportunities for networking, advocacy, and leadership development? I think all these are important. Does, does, does someone have a voice? Are they feeling heard? And, and I think as importantly, faculty members need to feel a sense of connectedness. So in my experience, affinity groups of faculty can play a role in improving the environment and climate and can increase one's sense of belonging. So for instance, at the medical school, about 12 years ago, I helped organize the Minority Organization for Retention and Expansion. It goes by the acronym MORE. It's an affinity group for faculty for underrepresented in medicine. It helps facilitate recruitment of faculty and trainees. It provides opportunities for mentoring, networking, leadership development, advocacy, and really importantly, social interactions. And that gives people a very strong connection. It gives, gives people strength to navigate a very large, very well-established institution like Yale. And we would like to expand more to support a broader range of faculty at Yale so they can feel a sense of belonging and actually stay here. This is clearly a work in progress, and I believe it will have a very positive impact on climate. So Moore started at the medical school, and is now sp the idea is to spread it throughout the whole uh, campus, right? I, I think the so, so we have a, a chapter of Moore for the scientists that's in progress, and we are thinking of other chapters, and for instance, one in the humanities, and we are actually actively working on that. I, you know, I think about when I first started on the faculty. For me, that was 1986. And uh, there was no formal orientation at all in those days. And uh, uh, we, uh, you know, they, they, I, I got a key to my office. And in my office was a desk, a chair, and a file cabinet. And uh, welcome to Yale. But, yeah. <laughs> um, but what really made me feel like I wanted to be here was my colleagues on, uh, 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 you know, in, in my department. And someone who evolved into one of my very best friends was the faculty member next door to me. Uh, who started on the same day that I did. There are many things the institution can do, but I love the idea of, of more uh, fostering those social relationships that help uh, someone really feel like they can make their lives here. Kim, I uh, wanna ask you the same questions, but with a focus on students. Uh, you know, the President's Committee on Diversity, Inclusion and Belonging made thoughtful recommendations on strengthening Yale generally, but what, what, did they, what did they say about our students? What did you all well, say about our students? <laughs> it's interesting, Peter, because you know, our sense is that when you help one constituency, you're, always, you're helping everyone else, right? And even our students will say that what you do for faculty, the retention recruitment conversation that you and, and Gary just have, had, um, will actually help the student experience. And so a lot of what we're doing is gonna help students as well. Um, of course, we have, uh, as, a, as a committee talked about continuing to support um, finding excellent candidates who are diverse and adding to, to, the, to the particular schools, uh, continuing to support uh, financial aid so that we have socioeconomic diversity. So all, of, all the things that we're doing already for students. But I think that the recommendation that you have um, agreed to that I'm really excited about is the one about supporting um, students' ability to learn how to have difficult conversations. This is one of the um, areas where students have been clear with us that they would like to develop that skill set. And um, Marvin Chun and I had um, financed the pilot a few, years, a few years back for peer-to-peer -peer conversations about how best to do that. Uh, mm -hmm. And we thought as a committee that we should reinstate that, um, that pilot. And you agreed. And I have to tell you that when I told the students that, we, yes, we're going to do that, 
they are very, very excited to be able to support their peers in that way to have the skill. And what's interesting to me, again, going back to the theme that once you help one community, you're helping others. There are faculty and staff who have actually said, and actually alumni who have actually said, we'd like to actually develop that skill too. So as we're, um, as we're working with students uh, on the things that we've, we've really highlighted for them, we're going to be mindful about how that might carry over in other areas of the university as well. Yeah, very, very important. And it's partly why we all went to college, right? We all enjoyed... Uh, those interactions around difficult and challenging and controversial issues. And we learn those in, in those conversations with our peers uh, how to uh, listen empathically and, and how to really be willing to change our mind, as well as uh, learning how to defend our own positions, too. Kim, you have served as vice president for university life for a year. What has been your proudest work so far? What's interesting about this particular expansion of my duties, because as you know, I was really focused more on governance and the student experience specifically um, for several years, but now to have the purview of thinking about uh, faculty, students, staff, and alumni, and the connection among all of these groups uh, has been a very rich experience. And of course, in this year, most of my time was spent working with Gary on creating these recommendations uh, for you and for the university as we move ahead. So that has been, um, uh, a really wonderful experience working with these amazing colleagues, the faculty and staff that were on the committee and the students, faculty, staff, and alumni whom we spoke to as part of this process. Um, and I think that probably the greatest joy I had is with delivering that report to you uh, along with, with Gary uh, recently. Well, talk to me about what's next. What are, what are you looking forward to? Well, I'm looking forward to actually implementation. So we have a, we've made a lot of recommendations. One of the things you uh, had have asked people to do is to write DEI plans. All of our units are writing DEI plans. Uh, and the reality is many people have been thinking about these issues for a long time. They have a sense of what they want to do. And now we've authorized them to really put that on paper and to figure out how they're going to move forward. So my excitement is actually to look at these plans um, to be able to support leadership um, across the university uh, in making those a reality. And I'm very excited to, to move into this phase of our planning. And, uh, you know, we, you're very much to point out this is not new. This is a continuum. And uh, we've been working on DEI for a number of years. And I look forward to uh, implementing the new uh, initiatives that have come out of the most recent uh, planning process. Gary, you and the other committee members have really made excellent recommendations for how we can work together to make Yale even more excellent and its ability to educate future leaders and create knowledge that benefits humanity. As I noted earlier, we've launched a series of programs that are based on your recommendations. And with these programs, we hope to continue to lead the way in teaching and conducting research and scholarship that all can be of the highest caliber. And to do that, we need to draw on the strengths, the diverse strengths of our community and create a climate where members feel they belong and, and thrive. What would belonging in that environment look like to you? How would you predict that future? So I think um, years from now, if you walk around the campus and you ask anyone who is at Yale, fac staff, faculty, alumni, uh, fac uh, students, you ask them, how do you feel? They would say, well, you know, we are valued, respected, and accepted by others. Our contributions to Yale, whatever they might be, are valued and respected. Our values match Yale's values. And we feel safe here. 
we trust that Yale, the institution, have our best interests in mind. We're confident of that. That's what I would hope to hear from people who are Yale. So fundamentally, it's about respect. It's and about then, respect. And then yeah. how that gets internalized. Right. Yeah, yeah. Kim, what about you? Yeah, I've, I've thought about this yeah. a lot, Peter. And one of the things in the research that we were reading um, is, as Gary said, is, is how people feel, that that's really um, the feeling of belonging is, is actually a feeling itself. And part of what I always remember what you and I get to experience at commencement is sitting on the stage, looking out over this vast number of people, the students and their families, the faculty, the staff who are there to celebrate, and the city of New Haven actually, to celebrate their accomplishments. And we're looking out, we see Connecticut Hall, which is like the oldest building on campus and this, this wave of humanity um, before us and all of the, 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 the diversity of experiences and skill sets and everything that's, that they're gonna be unleashed into the world, as well as having the next week and the very next weekend, um, the opportunity to see our, our alumni in action as well. And I think it's that moment when you confer the degrees where students, um, there's this, this roar of excitement about the fact that we have all contributed to that journey. And I wish we could just bottle that because I think that's the moment where people really feel that they belong to Yale and it's, that Yale is, a, um, is an enterprise that we all understand what the purpose is because we're seeing it in action and we understand how we contributed to that moment. So my view would be, I know we were, we were successful because people feel that every day and not just at commencement or at alumni uh, reunion. You know, I, I was thinking about commencement and how mm -hmm. much it makes one feel like uh, uh, you know, this is my place. Yale is my place. Right now in the era of COVID, uh, some of those um, big ceremonial opportunities just aren't there. And so I'd be interested, uh, Kim, uh, if you just have any thoughts about uh, how do we create that same institutional pride, that same sense of belonging uh, when we're mostly working remotely and uh, over, over the internet? Well, I, you know, I think that we're still all working for this, you know, on, on similar projects. We're still producing, you know, knowledge and, and we're doing great teaching. And the fact that we're doing it well um, and with safety considering everybody around us is a way of staying connected. So, yes, it's wonderful when we're in the same space. Um, right now we're being mediated by Zoom, even in this conversation. But I do think that there's a way in which we're all, we're all trying to accomplish the work that we're doing in this new space. And we're using technology wisely. Uh, even in commencement, well, it wasn't even commencement, it was a celebration of the, of the graduates, was successful because we all pitched in. We all, there were versions of us, you know, faculty, staff, and students who showed up on, 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 our, on our web, uh, web performance for the, for the students. Um, so we're gonna use what we have, but I think it's mostly about feeling connected to the mission of the institution, as Gary said, and as you've said, um, and knowing that that, you know, this will pass. Yeah, this too shall pass. You know, it's interesting. We, there's no substitute for face-to-face -face interaction, and we all miss it desperately in this time of COVID. Uh, but I will say the ease with which we've all come to use technology, uh, particularly um, ideal in some, in some ways for pulling people in, for getting people to be part of a conversation, part of a group, that they might not otherwise have been. And so I'm hoping that that spirit will carry forward when in fact COVID is behind us and when we're all coming together uh, for our uh, teaching and research and, uh, and other activities uh, uh, once again. 
Well, I have to thank you, Kim, and you, Gary, uh, for the great uh, work that you did leading this committee, but also uh, uh, for joining me for Founders Day. I'm so grateful uh, for the uh, time and effort and especially thoughtfulness that you put into being co-chairs of the President's Committee on Diversity, Inclusion, and Belonging. And now we have a lot to do to achieve our aspirations, no doubt about it. Uh, and I look forward to continuing to work together with our colleagues, with our students, with our alumni to improve every aspect of Yale's educational and research programs, and uh, as well as campus life and campus operations. Uh, I think we can together foster a sense of belonging. I think we can continue to advance our university. I think these elements are essential to excellence. To friends and members of the Yale community, thank you for joining me for this special episode of Yale Talk. Until our next conversation, best wishes and take care. The theme music, Butterflies and Bees, is composed by Yale professor of music and director of university bands, Thomas C. Duffy and is performed by the Yale Concert Band. Thank you.